2: Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Nick Whalen joined by Jake Latarski, who is sitting in for Rotowire's Derek Van Riper on this Thursday, July twenty eighth. Want to wish a happy birthday to Dexter Jackson, former Super Bowl MVP, I believe. <laughs> Dexter Jackson, is that correct?
3: Yeah, Dexter Jackson, man. That's that's quite the name drop. Uh, I mean, love the happy birthdays. Uh, beat some of the other candidates we had to look over today.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A, a little bit of a dry day as far as NFL birthdays, but Dexter Jackson, uh, again, we wish you a happy birthday. No DVR today. I think he's moving uh, across yeah. town in mm-hmm. Madison, so, so in steps you to talk overrated, underrated players.
3: Yeah, that's exactly where we're going with today. I mean, at DVR and I might flip-flop next week. I know I'm moving the week after, so I got to take mm-hmm. all his boxes, but yeah. Overrated, underrated fantasy players, There's a, it's a topic of debate every year, very hot topic here. We'll start with today's biggest news, of course, but uh, then we'll go position, position, uh, discussing some players that we think are maybe a little bit overrated or a little bit underrated.
2: Right, and some of these, of course, will change. You know, we're looking at ADP data that it does take a little bit to mm-hmm. to kind of to judge the fluctuations. A guy like Tom Brady, I think we're going to keep seeing kind of gradually fall down the, the QB ADP mm-hmm. uh, as news you know broke last week uh, regarding his suspension. So we'll get into that in a little bit. But like you said, biggest news first. Uh, we finally have a real news item. It feels like these last couple of weeks we've been really scraping you know, for quote-unquote news in the NFL. But Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Jets agreed to a one-year, $12 million deal. It did kind of seem, um, you know, as the two sides kind of of played patty cake all summer, it did seem like this is the result Mm -hmm. that we were going to get at some point. Maybe not this exact type of deal, but it kind of seemed like Fitzpatrick was going to be back with the Jets. They really didn't have a much better option. This was a borderline playoff team last season. I don't think they wanted to just throw that away. Mm And, you know, not that Ryan Fitzpatrick makes them – a Super Bowl contender or necessarily puts them over the hump, but I think having Ryan Fitzpatrick back and not having to resort to Geno Smith or to Bryce mm-hmm. Petty or to bringing in someone else, at least keeps the Jets in playoff contention.
3: Yeah, without a doubt, he'll be the number one quarterback there. He's going to help that team quite a bit. Geno Smith will be the backup. Then they can they can still practice squad Bryce Petty and do that while they groom Christian Hackenberg to potentially take that over in a couple of years. Now Fitzpatrick turned down, I believe, three years, thirty-four million earlier in the off season, and now this is more. Of course, more on a per year basis that he'll be getting, but he doesn't get the long term security there. Uh, I'm sure we'll run over this whole thing again next off season here. But at 33 years old, you're not going to get a, much longer than a three year deal. So I'm not right. entirely sure what he's holding out for.
2: Yeah, you'd think at that age you would want the long term security, and you know maybe we were not really privy to the details of that what that three year offer might have entailed as far as guaranteed money. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ryan Fitzpatrick back with the Jets. I'm a little bit bearish on on Ryan Fitzpatrick and on this Jets offense. Uh, I like the addition of Matt Forte, but you look at what Fitzpatrick did last season. Had a career year at age 32, almost 4,000 yards, 31 touchdowns, by far a career high. Did throw 15 picks, but the volume was just mm-hmm. was up so much higher than we'd really seen from him in probably four or five years. Um, I don't necessarily think he's gonna fall off you know from a talent standpoint you know coming Mm -hmm. back to the same system you know even though he's somewhat of a late addition for this team it's not like he has to relearn an offense or anything like that but it just seems like everything kind of broke right for this passing game last season.
3: Exactly, but the thing is that is encouraging is his weapons are all still there. I mean, Brandon Marshall, Eric Decker, if anyone, this deal might help Brandon Marshall the most because there's a little bit of uncertainty. Of course, Brandon Marshall's fantasy value would have taken a big-time dive if Geno Smith's starting 16 games for them this year instead. We've got Fitzpatrick there, and Marshall, you know, anytime he has a somewhat capable quarterback, which is not Geno Smith, uh, then he, he'll be able to produce. So Marshall is a top 15 fantasy wide out now, maybe creeping his way into the top 12. And, of course, the Jets have Matt Forte as well. So uh, there's the weapons are all there. Hopefully Jason Morrow at the tight end takes a big step there, and then Ryan Fitzpatrick will be able to contribute. He's got the weapons. I mean, you put you give you give Rodgers or, or Luck or, or Russell Wilson these weapons, and uh, they're a top five quarterback for sure. Fitzpatrick twenty three in the ADP. He'll be on his way up. Just with the security, uh, he did get taken in the thirteenth round of a best ball league that I'm doing, which I thought was maybe a little bit early. Uh, but you want to grab a couple quarterbacks in that league just to make sure you can get you know maybe twenty five to thirty five points out of, out of the quarterback every week. So yeah, Fitzpatrick he'll be taken in two quarterback twelve team leagues uh, probably as a quarterback too. But uh, he'll be off he'll be off the board now for sure
2: what is the ceiling now for this jets team it seems like they're kind of built to go all in right now you know you have a 33 year old quarterback who's going to be 34 in november you have an, an older running back in matt forte you have an older receiver an older number one receiver that is in brandon marshall eric decker still in his prime but you know also not a super young guy in his own right um again i don't see this jets team as a, as a legitimate super bowl contender by any means but i mean what is their plan right now
3: yeah, I mean, they got to hope to squeak into the playoffs. I don't think they're going to be. Their over under win total is sitting right around, sitting right around eight, eight and a half. And I, I think you can take the over on that, maybe but uh, that's pretty optimistic. I wouldn't be going to shell out hundreds of dollars on that bet. I think they can win nine or ten games, maybe finish second in the division and squeak in that wild card. I don't think they're going to be winning a division. They just got to get hot at the right time like any team in the playoffs. That's how the NFL is these days.
2: Are they the second best team in the AFC East? I mean, you look at New England with with Brady out for those four games, and if if there's any team that can weather that kind of storm, certainly it's New England, and Mm -hmm. you know, I don't think anyone expects them to just fall off the map for the first four games of the year, but you know, if, if they go 2-2 two and two over that stretch, and that, that opens the door significantly more than you'd expect it to be if Brady was in the picture.
3: Well, I mean, as far as Super Bowl odds go, the one thing that hasn't changed is the Patriots are still number one. Yeah. I mean, the, the Patriots still have the best odds. I'm looking at oddshark.com right now, plus 600 for the Patriots, plus 850 for the Packers, plus 900 for the Seahawks. So nothing's really changed with the, Bra- with the Brady news here. Uh, they're still the favorites to win it all. So I think second place is probably the ceiling for this Jets team. All
2: right, other news, Josh Doxson placed on the pup list, sore Achilles. He missed all of rookie OTAs. Still doesn't seem like it's anything too serious for him, mm-hmm. uh, just kind of a way to keep him off the field and rest that Achilles. Uh, we can talk briefly about this Washington receiver situation. We know they have Deshaun Jackson on the edge. They have Pierre Garçon, but Josh Doxson, kind of a different type of receiver from those two. Deshaun Jackson, about as unique as they get, just a straight mm-hmm. burner, you know, a deep ball guy, um, You know, kind of really does that better than just about anyone else when he's healthy doxon kind of gives them that big possession receiver down the field threat a guy who can wall off defenders can get you
3: first downs do you think he challenges
2: garcon when it's all said and done for that wide receiver two spot
3: I don't know if he does so this year. We've seen very rarely rookie-wide receivers, I mean Odell Beckham being the one big exception, very rarely do rookies jump on in and make an impact immediately. Now it happens a little bit, but I think there's a lot of mouths to feed in Washington. You've got Jordan Reed there too, and even Vernon Davis behind Jordan Reed. And the injury is not going to help him uh, really at all because he needs to get these reps in camp right now. So it's very valuable for him. I'm very high on Josh Doxson in in dynasty-type formats where you can maybe... We, not necessarily a traditional keeper league where you can only keep one or two players, but I'm talking like Dynasty where you can keep eight to ten, then I'd I'd, I'd pay a higher premium for Doxon because I think Jackson and Garcon are both 29 years old, so one to two years down the road, Doxon has the skills to be a potential breakout player, a potential fantasy wide receiver one. I just don't think it's going to happen this year. If you're taking them this year, you're taking them as a wide receiver five or six and, and hoping for the best as like a sleeper. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's a guy you're going to be able to get if you're in the a, in a standard league. You're not going to have to pay up to get Josh Docks. Nope. And maybe a guy you wait on, you know, come week five, week six, he starts to become a bigger part of this offense, then maybe you go grab him. But again, certainly not someone uh, you should be going way out of your way to target. Um, Gary Kubiak. The Denver Broncos head coach said their three quarterbacks will get, quote, equal reps in camp. Not too surprising. Um, I think the mm-hmm. prevailing belief is, is, seems to be, at least, that Mark Sanchez has a bit of an edge over Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch, but... Uh, is that how you see this kind of shaking out when it's all said and done?
3: Yeah, I mean, if I had to predict right now, their week one starter, I'd say Mark Sanchez, just based on experience, not based on skills whatsoever, but just based on experience. He's already at the speed of the game. He understands what it takes to run an NFL offense. Those are pretty much the only nice things I can say about Mark Sanchez at this point. But I mean, he does have some weapons. I kind of alluded to that earlier: Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, a couple of, one of the better one-two punches in the league as far as wideouts go. Again, I don't even think I don't think any Denver quarterback is going to be taken in a standard single quarterback league you have to stretch to think of one of these guys as a QB three in a two quarterback format if any of these guys are getting taken in fantasy
2: yeah I'm not looking at this QB situation favorably at all from a fantasy perspective but it is a little bit concerning as far as how it affects Demaryius Thomas and and to a lesser degree Emmanuel Sanders I mean we saw Mm -hmm. last season Emmanuel Sanders had just about the same target numbers I think he had 141 targets um in 2014 and 137 I believe in 2015 um, but the catch numbers were nowhere close. And almost 30 fewer receptions last season uh, with Peyton Manning obviously not being Peyton Manning. So I think that the Denver situation is odd. This is the team coming off of a Super Bowl win. Um, and it's a unique situation, of course, with Peyton Manning retiring. But I don't know that they necessarily can just kind of take this loosely. You know, mm-hmm. I think this this is a team that can still make the playoffs. The defense is that oh, yeah. good, the weapons around the quarterback position are that good that. If they can just get decent quarterback play, you know, this could still be a, a ten win team.
3: Yeah, I think the I think the Broncos do have the defense that could get them into the playoffs there. Any kind of quarterback play is a bonus. If they if they had a good quarterback, this is a twelve win team. Right now they're looking at maybe a nine, ten tops win team just because of the defense keeping them in games.
2: Right, exactly. Hakeem Nicks signing with the New Orleans Saints. That deal not officially official, uh, but it sounds like it will be at some point. On Thursday, 2009 second round pick, uh, returned to New York last season with a little bit of fanfare, finished with just seven catches. Um, I mean, certainly not a guy you're going to be looking at in any kind of fantasy leagues, but I mean, is, is Hakeem Nick somebody that could end up making any sort of impact whatsoever for the Saints?
3: I mean, 10, 15 catches, I guess. I mean, he's 6'1, 208, he's, he's got the size. Uh, that you know, Drew Brees will be looking for, but I still think the Drew Brees goes to Brandon Cooks, Willie Sneed, even Brandon Coleman, Colby Fleener, Mike Josh Thomas. Hill. There's uh, just too uh, like, many names yeah, here. All, all those names are going are gonna, to are gonna come up ahead of Nick's on the pecking order. Nick's is just roster depth right now. He might now. not even make the yeah, roster. Yeah, I was right going to say he might not even make the roster when it's all said and done. Uh, I mean, everyone's got 12, 13 receivers uh, on their squad right now, but I mean, Mike Doria put him on the depth chart at number 10 to start things off, so that's kind of where our NFL editor stands on that, and I can't argue with him too much. Much, no, because well, i don't know what i'm gonna get well, he's a thing. name I and mean, that nothing more
2: you look up and down the saint step chart and again you know like you said most teams are gonna have you know 10 up to like 15 receivers right now just because that, that's how the camp roster works and obviously that'll be pared down immensely uh as, as they cut toward the 53 man roster but i think i think he's he's just a name you know he's mm-hmm. being a, a former second round pick being a guy who was for a brief time a very a productive receiver in the nfl it kind of he still kind of carries that allure of oh you know maybe we can be the team that kind of reignites uh you know his career you look at other names on this on this new orleans depth chart reggie bell jared dangerfield tommy lee lewis mm-hmm. like you no one knows who those guys are you know who akeem Nix is so i think yep. he still you still kind of carry that benefit uh of name recognition with you but again we'll see if he even makes the final roster um final news item as uh, camp starts to kick off finally uh, with veterans reporting for for several teams today we should get actual news uh, starting next week mike wallace failed his conditioning test with the ravens on wednesday usually this is a concern you know it's, it's more mm-hmm. of an embarrassment than anything else you know, when a player fails a conditioning test and then most often it seems to be your albert Haynesworth types not your mm-hmm. speedy wide receivers like mike wallace mm-hmm. um i don't really know exactly what led to the failed test apparently there are six parts are six components to the conditioning test. He passed five of them. Uh, the Ravens don't seem concerned at all. Uh, they they went as far as to as to say that they expect him to pass later this week. So that would be either today or tomorrow. Um, I mean, does this concern you really at all regarding Mike Wallace?
3: I don't know, man. Whenever I hear failed conditioning tests, I, I picture Cartman on the couch eating cheesy poofs. But this definitely isn't the case here. Like you said, the, Al- so. the Albert Hainsworth type. Uh, right. Yeah, Mike Wallace, still only 29. He'll get there. I think when the season starts, this will be an afterthought. Uh, not necessarily like I'm trying to draft Mike Wallace in right. a lot of places, but... To his credit, he does have Joe Flacco, who can throw a pretty decent deep ball. We don't know how many how many people Wallace is going to burn necessarily at this stage in his career, but he was always kind of a deep threat uh, with Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh. So there's a chance he comes back. I, I think in a month this will be an afterthought.
2: Look at NFFC ADP data: Mike Wallace going 54th among wide receivers. You know whether you know in light of this news or, or not, I still think that seems a little high. Yeah, you know, I don't know if mm-hmm. I'm, I'm taking him. You know, he's going over guys like Kamar Aiken, Pierre Garcon, uh, Devin Funches, Nelson Aguilar, right in the same range as your your mm-hmm. Philip uh, you know, Mohamed Sanu, Tory Smith. So, I, I I don't know. I'm not high on Mike Wallace. I'm not high on this Baltimore offense. Yeah. I mean, they threw the ball a ton last year out of necessity. Still wasn't a very efficient offense. Um, I think they want to become more balanced this season. Uh, And I I guess the only way that I could kind of get talked into Mike Wallace is if Steve Smith isn't healthy or Kamar Aiken isn't healthy, and then he kind of jumps up the depth chart.
3: Or if it's your best ball format, a receiver like Mike Wallace, you don't want to, in a a standard season-long format, you don't want to try to be picking the weeks that he might have one long catch. If it's a best ball format and it's the later rounds, then, because there'll be maybe one or two games this year where he has two or three catches for 100 yards and a touchdown. Trying to pick that on a week-to-week basis is impossible, but if you get it in a best ball-type format, then uh, then go for it. Why not?
2: Do you want to give a brief explanation of what exactly best ball is, just just for those who might not be familiar? It's
3: uh, it's one of those things like an MFL 10 where uh, you dr- you do a draft only, and then you don't have to set your lineup at all every week. You, it, the computer just picks your best default lineup for you, so you don't have to make those types of decisions. It's kind of a new and emerging format, but uh, these type of deep threat play- players like Mike Wallace... Their value is a little bit more in there because you don't have to try to pick which week they're going to have their big performance. In a standard league, chances are they're going to be on your bench those weeks.
2: Right. No, that's interesting. Um, can you make roster moves? No roster moves, no, no roster trades. Moves.
3: So it's all about the no, draft? No, nothing. Uh, the, like, for example, the ones I'm doing, uh, they're they're 20 rounds, so it's a really deep draft, right. so you have a lot of reserves. Uh, but then it's draft and forget it. You don't do roster moves, trades, nothing And uh, it just takes your best lineup every week like that. So in a format like that, you maybe want to consider someone like Wallace in the later rounds, but again, not too aggressive on him.
2: All right, let's get to our overrated and underrated players. We'll start with overrated and we'll go to the QB position right away. Do you want to give me a couple names you think are maybe going a little bit too high as we check out Mm -hmm. this NFFC ADP?
3: Well, you alluded to earlier in the show the fact that uh, ADP takes a little while to catch up with the news uh, because... You know, you get guys that are either suspended or injured or reinstated in Josh Gordon's case and need some time to climb up the rankings. This is one. The first name here that comes up is going to be Tom Brady, just because we know for sure now that he's out the first four games of the season. And I mean, okay, so he's seventh overall among quarterbacks, sixty eighth overall among all players. But Tom Brady's still ranked ahead in ADP ahead of guys like Ben Roethlisberger and Carson Palmer, uh, Eli Manning, and Philip Rivers. Uh, you know, I would almost knock him down to the bottom end of the quarterback twelve or to uh, the quarterback one range in a, in a. Two, or, I'm sorry, a 12 team uh, standard format. So, I think he's going just a little high, especially for someone at his age and at this stage in his career. Now, we know what Brady is able to do uh, from a fantasy standpoint when he's healthy, except he's uh, he's got some banged-up receivers right now. Both Julian Edelman and Danny Amendola start the season, or not start the season, but enter training camp here on the PUP list, so you've got that going against him. you got the fact that Tom Brady's 38 working against him. Maybe the rest actually helps him a little bit. He does add a weapon in Martellus Bennett. I think they have the best tight end duo in the league here, but... I just I'm not too high on him I think he'll be solid for the later part of the season but for someone who's going to miss four weeks he needs to be tier one for those last 12 if you're going to draft him in the top 10 quarterbacks I don't think that he is he is going to be quite that for the rest of the year after he comes back
2: no, the regression is an interesting point, and I, I talked to DVR about this last week, and it, it's something that you never really hear with with Tom Brady, and we, we kind of comped it to the Spurs in the NBA, where it's, you know, every year you start to think, like, is this really the year they might fall off? And then you go and check Tom Brady's numbers, and he goes for 36 touchdowns and 7 picks yep. last season. And there's, mm-hmm. there's, you know, no sign of regression whatsoever. I mean, are we two or three years removed uh, from that? I think it was a Monday night game against the Chiefs where he just mm-hmm. completely bombed, looked terrible, everybody was ready to write him off, and then... You know, I think that, yeah, I think the, that was the year they they ended up winning the Super Bowl.
3: Yeah, actually. everyone was calling for Jimmy Garoppolo right. that year yeah. right away. And and then, and in retrospect, that seems just absolutely yeah, ridiculous. It Seems yeah. ridiculous, but what happens if he puts two or three of those starts together? Right. At, what what if Garoppolo comes out, goes three and one, and then Brady comes out and goes maybe? You know, I will those will I those calls start? I mean, the calls will start again whether or not they're well, warranted. I don't know
2: though. I think uh, it's Tom Brady. Yeah, you know, I, I think I, mean, I think he had. Being Tom Brady, I think, has earned him, mm-hmm. you know, the the credentials, I guess, to yes. to prevent that from happening. Mm-hmm. But it, the point is, at some point, he's going to regress. He's he's going to mm-hmm. be thirty nine, and you know, sometime next week, August third, yeah. um, so thirty nine by the time mm-hmm. the season starts. Uh, there's there's really not a track record for thirty nine year old quarterbacks playing as well as he's played. Mm-hmm. That said. The weapons are about as good as they've ever been for him if, if the receivers are healthy. As long as they healthy, stay healthy. Yep. The system's the same. You know, the continuity, you can't say enough about that in New England. So I do, I'm do. i with you that he's a little bit overrated just because some of the upside of guys like Ben Roethlisberger, Carson Palmer, mm-hmm. you know, even a guy like Phillip Rivers, uh, the volume, you know, is going to yeah. be there for him. So I think you know what you're getting in Tom Brady, but it is tough to kind of factor in what exactly you're losing in those four weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, one guy I think is a little bit overrated and... He's going about where he should, I guess, ADP-wise. 14 is Matthew Stafford. I'm just really, really concerned about how effective this Detroit offense is going to be. He had a career year last year, quietly. I mean, the Lions didn't really do all that much, but he completed 67% of his passes to me, though, that's a bit of an anomaly. Almost seven mm-hmm. points higher than his career completion percentage. I think he's due for a regression. He's losing, you know, arguably one of the top five weapons in the history of the NFL in Calvin Johnson. Still has Golden Tate. I, I do like Golden Tate individually, as a, mm-hmm. especially in a PPR format. But the rest of this Lions offense is just not inspiring at all. I don't think they're going to have much of a ground game. I think Stafford's going to find himself in pressure situations quite a bit. And if you look at other quarterbacks going around him, Tony Romo, Jameis Winston, Matt Ryan, uh, Marcus Mariota, I, I think I would lean towards just about all of those guys.
3: Yeah, you know, I can see where you're coming from there, but uh, remember the Lions did just get a boost earlier this week when they signed Anquan Bolden. So I, I don't know. I love Anquan Bolden. How old is Anquan Bolden? 36, 36, 36, maybe? 30, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, something like that. Yeah, I've got, uh, but I mean. He turns 36 in October. 30, yeah, exactly. So he'll be 36 this season. I think that's a little bit of a boost. Boost uh, for someone, and he, you know they get bolden at the start of camp, so he gets all the reps with them. So hope maybe that helps him a little bit. I think Stafford's right about where he should be at uh, 14 among quarterbacks ADP. I mean, I think with Calvin Johnson and with the rest of that crew, he creeps his way up into a low end QB one and twelve teamers. But right now, I think uh, a quarterback, too, that you can kind of alternate a little bit. Uh, You're right, last year he did have a career year, and people are going to react to that. People are also reacting equally to the fact that he's losing Calvin Johnson. I wouldn't tank him completely, but I wouldn't mind drafting him as a quarterback, too.
2: All right, let's look at the running back position. One guy I know you think is a little bit overrated is C.J. Anderson.
3: Yeah, he's someone that uh, I'm just very very hesitant especially with the denver offense. offense we don't know what quarterback he's going to be getting yet chances are mark sanchez like we said earlier if we had a pick it's going to be sanchez week one but we don't know but anderson was on the cusp of losing his job last year him and ronnie hillman are going to slip into more and more of a timeshare, and i mean the options behind that aren't necessarily great but uh I don't know. The, the, I I read all the speculation there. Increased use of fullbacks, going to make a run heavy offense, all that kind of stuff. I'm I'm not quite sure I'm buying it yet. I mean, last year he only he didn't catch a single receiving touchdown last year, and that's really the. I mean, if you're taking C.J. Anderson, it's probably a P.P.R. format. No receiving touchdowns, a little bit concerning for me. Only 152 carries. Now, granted, 4.7 yards a, a carry that actually matched what he did in his breakout 2014 season. But 720 yards and five touchdowns for what's supposed to be a top ten running back? I just I'm not buying it for C.J. Anderson. I think we do see a lot of Ronnie Hillman here this year, uh, even where he's at in his career. I, I, I'm staying away from C.J. Anderson. I think I mean you got 24 year old Hillman as well. Those two could split again, and, and with the overall decrease in offensive productivity, I just don't think Anderson can live up to his ADP.
2: Yeah, I'm not necessarily staying away from C.J. Anderson. I'm staying away from him around that 10, 11, 12 range, like mm-hmm. you said. I, the the timeshare thing is, is the biggest concern for me. You know, the pass catching, yeah. I, I think you certainly have nowhere to go but up with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you look on the roster outside of Ronnie Hillman, even Devontae Booker, uh, Jawan Thompson. The this Denver this Denver team has has not been afraid to employ you know two, three, four running backs in the past and. You know, I I think that's a little bit concerning for a guy you're talking about as a borderline top ten. You yeah, the other names in that range are are solidly the option. You know, for their team, and and I think in, in regardless of talent, I think you have yeah. to kind of go with that that guaranteed workload mm-hmm. uh, to break the tie there. Uh, what about Adrian Peterson? This is a guy who's going right now. If we look at NFFC data, he's number five behind Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, David Johnson, and Ezekiel Elliott. Um, you know the volume's going to be there for Adrian Peterson. The yards per carry average hasn't been great the last couple years. We don't really know what to expect from this Minnesota offense. Um, mm-hmm. If you're comparing him to guys like Devontae Freeman, Lamar Miller, maybe Jamal Charles, um, where does AP kind of fit in in that mix?
3: See, for me, he actually checks in behind Freeman behind Miller and behind Charles, I think I might be a little bit unique in this sense. Now, Adrian Peterson, of course, he's past that dreaded age of 30 for running backs. I think that rule of thumb gets thrown out the window with Adrian Peterson. I think he's enough of a freak athlete and an anomaly that just a number number being 32, 33 doesn't matter for him. I think his 35 is what most running backs' 30s is. So I'm not, it's not necessarily like I'm down on him that much. But I just like the upside of those other guys a little bit. I mean, Adrian Peterson has the volume. That offense is still going to run around him. Uh, And, I mean, four and a half yards per carry in 2015, I mean, that's almost right in line with his career average, a little bit less. So people are going to back off. I just like the guys around him a little bit better. Adrian Peterson's probably one of those players that I'm not going to own this year, not because I don't like him, but just not because I'll be ready to pay the price that I will have to pay to own him.
2: What about Devonte Freeman? We can talk about him briefly. I don't know that he's necessarily overrated or underrated, but mm-hmm. um, Peter Shanky wrote on the Road to Wire blog uh, just the other day, um, kind of observing, I guess, uh, of the, the type of deal that you're getting on Devonte Freeman for a mm-hmm. guy who um, you know finished last season as the second best uh, fantasy running back, and, and now you know looking at the ADP data that Pete used. He's going 17, and that's that's much lower than I've seen um, yeah. right now. I mean, you look at NFFC, uh, he's going uh, number 16.
3: Six. Oh, six among running backs, six among but running 16 backs. overall. 16 overall. So right. He's right. still, I mean, you're getting Devontae Freeman in the second round. Yeah, and I think if you can get him in the second round, that's probably a steal. Yeah,
2: I, th- I think it is. But I think you also have to take a look at just how deep the receiver position is, too. I, I mean, I don't think people are necessarily down on Devontae Freeman as much as they are. Just, you know, there's 15 to 20 really, really good wide receivers right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the way that the NFL is kind of trending, it's more valuable to load up on those guys. So, you know, certainly an interesting post by Pete. I'll plug that real quick on the RotoWire wire blog, mm-hmm. uh, just kind of taking a look at where you can get Devontae Freeman right now. But to me, he's going right about where he should.
3: Yeah, I, I think so. I mean... I, in any draft, I'm going to take Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, and Julio Jones before I even consider yes. touching any yes, running back. Of course. Any running back. Those are my top three picks. I know some people like Bell's Bell, you could have made a case for him, but with that pending suspension, it's a little too risky. If it's non-PPR, you can probably make a case for Gurley. But, I mean, of course, Freeman's uh, value... Takes a big hike if it's PPR just because of the way he's used out of the backfield. But I think if you get him in the second round, if you're in the middle of the second round, say you pick seven, eight overall, and it's coming back to you, and you were able to squeak out maybe a, a Hopkins or an Allen Robinson in the first round, and you got your receiving, uh, your receiver, your first one shirt up, then you can maybe consider taking Devontae Freeman uh, in the middle of the second round. I think the ADP has it right there.
2: Lamar Miller. Um, I know some people believe he's overrated. Some people believe he believe he's underrated. He's going seventh among running backs in NFFC ADP. I think that seems about right, but mm-hmm. with LeBron Miller, so much is based on the projected workload. And you look at the Houston depth chart, Alfred Blue, Jonathan Grimes, Tyler Irvin, no real inspiring names behind him. Um, six games last season in Miami he had single-digit carries if he stays healthy it's hard to imagine him not getting to mm-hmm. double digits just about every week
3: yeah I mean he hasn't had the tread on his tires that a lot of backs has have and I think that point comes up a lot too when you're talking about Lamar Miller never got the carries he deserved in Miami despite averaging four and a half last year and 5.1 the year before I mean I think he's almost a lock for a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns he's a pretty safe bet you get a solid system here in Houston and again those names behind him on the depth chart no threats whatsoever he should be seeing at least 20 carries a game he could have his first career 250 or 300 carry season you extrapolate that I think I think NFFC has it right here with the ADP I'd take him over Jamal Charles because of the injury risk I might even take him over Adrian Peterson but that's just because I'm very bullish on him he's definitely a top 10 back and I think he's definitely a second round pick I think he's going to be a safety blanket for for Brock Osweiler, you know, it depends. Mm-hmm. I think people are kinda all over the board
2: as far as what they expect from Osweiler. And you, you look at the weapons on paper, DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, the rookie, uh Braxton Miller, another rookie that looks great, but only one of those guys is anything near a proven commodity at this mm-hmm. point. You know, you can't necessarily just assume that Fuller and Braxton Miller are going to be ready uh, to kind of expand that passing game. So I think they're going to lean heavily on Miller, especially early in the season, to kind of ease Brock Osweiler into this new situation. So I- I'm certainly satisfied with where he's going. Jeremy Langford. this is a guy I know we agree upon, uh, is overrated. He's going to open the year as the number one back in Chicago, but it's just hard to imagine that necessarily lasting the entire season and what's going to be a pretty poor offense.
3: Yeah, I mean, is he the number one back, though? You look at the I, recent. I think technically it is. It's Rich Campbell of the Chicago Tribune kind of wrote that even though Langford is the projected running back, the projected number one, it's going to pretty much be a committee. So Langford, Carey, and Jaquas Rodgers. They're all going to split up. Carries a ton. I think
2: Jordan Howard possibly too. Yeah,
3: yeah. Don't even. Yeah, don't even forget about him. So there's four capable backs in that Chicago backfield. The where the, I mean the place where Langford is being taken right now is just not a price I'm willing to pay for him. This is a situation, a backfield entirely that I'm I'm just going to avoid.
2: Yep, absolutely. You look at his ADPs at 21. Gross. Uh, just a few spots behind, you know, Demarco Murray, Latavius Murray ahead of Matt Jones, Duke Johnson both of the Cincinnati running backs, Jay Ajayi. Um, no, yeah, don't I, don't I, it, do that. Don't, get, no, don't, don't do into it. that Just track. stay away from the Bears' backfield altogether. Uh, wide receivers. We're looking at Jordan Matthews and Doug Baldwin. They're respectively 24th and 25th among wide receivers. I don't mind getting Doug Baldwin here at 25. Are you, You're a little uh, lower on both of these guys?
3: Yeah, I mean, Doug Baldwin, I think he had a lot of fluky touchdowns last year. And he he got more red zone targets than he's ever been targeted in his career. And, hey, man, I really appreciate Doug Baldwin because he actually led me to some championships last year. I, I just took him as roster depth kind of in the middle of the year and then figuring I'd cut him in a week. Of course, that wasn't the case. But we're, we're going to see guys like uh, Tyler Lockett especially breaking out in Seattle this year into a top uh, top tier of receivers here and I just don't think Doug Baldwin gets the same volume that he got last year especially in the red zone so in those touchdown heavy formats I I, I would definitely stay away uh, especially Jimmy Graham's going to get eased back into action he had a pretty much a letdown season last year but I think he nabs some of those red zone targets and of course you know the backfields going to take him Seattle's still a run first team so you got to remember that I, I don't mind Doug Baldwin in fantasy, but I'm not going to draft him as a wide receiver, too, like a lot of people are. That's getting a little bit greedy. You also mentioned Jordan Matthews. I gave him in that whole Eagles offense a pace boost last, last year. I mean, I know you're a big NBA guy, and you started playing a little bit more FanDuel or DraftKings, those kind of things, uh, NBA, where pace is the biggest thing. So you want to find guys on fast-paced offenses against bad defenses. So I gave, with Chip Kelly, I gave all those guys a pace boost last year. I think I, that's going to scale back quite a bit. It's not only that, but the amount of drops for Jordan Matthews last year was concerning. And then, I mean, I know they have Sam Bradford. That, that that's probably going to be their quarterback. But if there's ever any controversy, that's not going to play out well. I think Jordan Matthews is being overdrafted by a little bit this season as well
2: yeah I mean with jordan matthews he he certainly looks the part of a number one it, it just seemed like he was either there or he wasn't there 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 really wasn't a ton of in between you know they, it seemed like at times they were kind of forcing him the ball, other weeks he was just not part of the game plan at all uh kind of a feast or famine type of receiver, but yeah I, I'm looking for him to have pretty much a similar year I think you know it's going to be a different situation with a new new coaching regime completely different style um, but I think he can, I mean he can get to that 80 catch baseline you know right around a thousand yards um, you know eight touchdowns last season had eight touchdowns as a rookie in 2014 I think he's right around there as well but I, I'm with you that I don't agree or that I don't believe he's going to make any I mean, sort of tangible leap
3: 15 to 20 less offensive plays per game right. I think is roughly a baseline even, for if, what you even can if the expect. Eagles
2: weren't doing much with those extra plays last year. It's mm-hmm. still an opportunity. Um, Devontae Parker. Th- I- I think people are going to disagree with you on that. Everyone seems to love Devonte Parker.
3: I think he's a little bit too high based on the position. Uh I mean just based on the, the lack of real real proof or depth or or what we've seen from him. I mean, he only caught 26 passes for 494 yards last year, three touchdowns on 50 targets, and that was over 14 games that he appeared in. I mean, people and he yeah, a lot I of I mean, it,
2: he basically didn't play until I mean, like week 12. Yeah.
3: It was I mean, he was slowed by a foot injury, okay, and we shouldn't have any limitations. But people are drafting him just a little bit too high based on based on speculation. That's just me. I mean, he's still got Jarvis Landry's gonna be the number one receiver there. I don't think anyone's gonna question that. Jarvis Landry's gonna be a PPR beast, but when Ryan Tannehill's your quarterback, you've got a couple of decent weapons in the backfield. Don't forget about Jordan Cameron at tight end. I think there's a lot of mouths to feed and you're I think Tannehill's going to have a better season with Gase as his offensive coordinator. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You saw what he, what Gase was able to do with Cutler last year, limit those mistakes. So Tannehill gets a boost, and Parker's got the skills to do it, Six three two eighteen. I just think he's being a little bit overdrafted. I wouldn't mind owning him necessarily, but at the price that he's at, I mean, you're, you're drafting him essentially as a wide receiver, I don't know, two here, and that's getting a little to bank on someone like that to be your wide receiver two all year I think he's going to be boom or bust and maybe wait a couple of weeks to pick up into it so people are probably yeah. going to disagree
2: I mean I think ideally maybe you start the season with him as your third option that receiver mm-hmm. or flex option uh in PPR format but the Jarvis Landy thing is is what does concern me the most about Devontae Parker I mean I'm, I'm kind of in on him uh and I was kind of going into last season obviously the foot injury prevented him from doing much until the second half of the year, but. It is a lot to invest in a guy who's solidly the number two receiver on his team.
3: Exactly. Who would you take first, Devontae Parker or alan hearns Speaking of number two receivers, oh, I, I, uh,
2: I mean, you know, you know what my heart says, Allen yeah. mm-hmm. um Parker certainly is the better talent. I think much higher ceiling this season for Devontae Parker. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would go Parker by a hair. I think the the Jags presumably, if they're not as You know, horrific defensively as they were last year, aren't going to be airing the ball out nearly as much. Blake Bortle's Mm -hmm. probably not going to throw for 35 touchdowns again. Um, And I think by default, that just kind of means uh, lower numbers for Alan Hearns. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think Devontae Parker, again, the higher upside choice there, and that's usually where I lean mm-hmm. in these type of situations, you know, not not necessarily looking to make the safe choice. Um, you know, Devontae Parker's a guy that could end up being, you know, it wouldn't be a huge surprise if he was a top 15, top 20 receiver when it's all yeah. said and done. To me, it'd be a pretty big surprise mm-hmm. if Alan Hearns made that lead. Yeah,
3: I mean, just with the 49th overall pick, I'm just more comfortable going with a proven commodity than going straight upside at that mm-hmm. point but that's just me maybe that's a little bit too conservative of approach for drafting here but you know i'm going to look for s- some other names in- at that position but if he slips past that round i really don't have a problem taking him as long as i don't have to rely mm-hmm. too heavily on him
2: all right before we get to underrated players real quick a couple of tight ends jordan reed and tyler eifert um eifert going six as far as nffc adp jordan reed going second uh, still a good, basically two rounds behind Rob Gronkowski, who's in certainly a oh, yeah. tier of his own and rightfully so. Uh, what about these two guys makes them overrated?
3: I mean, Jordan Reed, I, I, I like him. I think he's good. I just don't think he's a, uh, second or early third round pick like where he's been so far. Uh, I mean, when he was in games, he had that huge amount of volume, which was great. It was very good to see that. However, he's been an injury risk his entire career. So if you take him as your tight end one and expect him to start every game, I think you might need to back him up just to be safe. The injury risk is what, uh, is what makes me think maybe not a number two tight end. I actually like Greg Olson a little bit ahead of him. I would, go, I would rank the tight ends Gronk, Olson, Kelsey, Reed, then Walker. I, I like Reed, but I just don't think I'm going to be owning him this year just because of where he's being drafted.
2: All right, we'll get to a few other tight ends as we now switch over to underrated players ben roethlisberger uh, i think this is a guy who's on both of our lists he's going eighth among quarterbacks uh we already touched on tom brady to me right now roethlisberger moves ahead of tom brady Mm -hmm. uh maybe would have been right on par or even ahead of him before the brady suspension i like roethlisberger over blake bortles i should have mentioned him as an overrated player i think i think sixth among quarterbacks is a little high for bortles i would Mm -hmm. probably go roethlisberger over drew Brees. to me he's firmly in that conversation with luck wilson um you know kind of in that I guess second tier of quarterbacks if you want to throw Cam and Aaron Rodgers in Mm -hmm. tier one
3: yeah just flash back to last season Roethlisberger was like a top three quarterback on most pre-draft lists so I just don't understand what's changed. Martavis I mean, Bryant. Martavis Bryant's out, but Ladarius hey, Green. Uh, yeah, Ladarius Green's going to help his case. I think uh, Ladarius Green needs a bump in uh, value. We'll get to that later. But I don't think. I mean, Martavis Bryant had a couple good games, but he wasn't a difference maker. He's still got Antonio Brown. We'll see about Le'Veon Bell, but even then, it's D'Angelo Williams. I just don't understand what's changed about Ben Roethlisberger's preseason outlook coming in the last year. I would put him in probably the back end of the top five quarterbacks. So I'm going to end up naturally owning him in a lot of leagues this year I think
2: all right looking at the running back position we already touched on Devontae Freeman Carlos Hyde ADP of 16 this is a guy who you know for a couple weeks everybody was trying to go out and grab Carlos Hyde uh, then the injuries hit and you know it was kind of forgotten it seemed like yep. for the second half of the season but again ADP of 16 uh, among running backs you think that's a little low?
3: Yeah I think it's a little low I would give him a slight bump here I mean he had that huge first game week one last year so we all kind of saw the potential he has and I think the 49ers played it right by playing it safe and sitting him for the majority of the back half of last season to give that foot injury time to heal because that is a little bit of concern there is a slight injury risk with Hyde but they're saying he's going to get more involved in the pass game this year I mean he has he's been over four yards of carry his entire career given the volume of course there's the health risk but I think he could be a little bit more valuable than some of those running backs right around him Chris Ivory is a guy I think is a little
2: bit underrated fifth leading rusher in the NFL last season and of course he enters the situation now it's going to be a two back system in Jacksonville expecting probably close to a 50-50 split um, interesting decision really to bring him in Uh, with it with as solid as TJ Yeldon looked when healthy last season but the Jaguars were a bottom five team in terms of red zone conversions they had to throw the ball a ton in the red zone because they just didn't have anybody that could pound it in I Mm -hmm. think that's going to be Chris Ivory now Uh, maybe the yardage total drops certainly the yardage total will drop but I think the touchdown total um, you know could sustain uh, despite being being in a two-back system after being the the undisputed number one back with the New York Jets he's going 35th among running backs I wouldn't necessarily, you know, advise anyone to take him a lot higher than that. But mm-hmm. T.J. Yeldon's going six spots ahead. To me, those two are relatively equal. Yeah. To me, and I, I don't know that I'm rushing out to go grab T.J. Eldon. Yeah. So
3: we're suggesting that the gap in productivity is not as wide as the gap in ADP, which yeah, makes sense. And, and, him and an six spots isn't a
2: ton. It just I, I'm more worried, I guess, about T.J. Yeldon than I am Chris Ivory.
3: Yeah. I mean, I could I could see where you're coming from there. T.J. Yeldon had a tough time finding the end zone there. Uh, someone. Yeah, I I just that Jack, the Jacksonville backfield's another one that kind of like Chicago. I'm probably going to stay away from because neither of those guys has a ton of upside. Uh, I do like the other underrated running back that you had put down here. Uh, that's Duke Johnson, of course, who's going to compete with Isaiah Crowell. I would almost limit it to PPR formats, but I really like what Duke Johnson potentially could do in this passing game as well in Cleveland, especially in the screen game, especially with another year in the league adjusting to the speed of the game. Duke Johnson, uh, ADP
2: of twenty three. This Browns offense suddenly doesn't look quite as atrocious, and it still looks very atrocious, but it doesn't look quite as atrocious as it did a few days ago. I think they might ago. have the
3: worst run defense of all time. I think yeah. the defense is going to be a problem. This is going to be a borderline
2: league. fun team to watch, though. Offensively, RG three, mm-hmm. you know, still is you know, isn't RG three from three years mm-hmm. ago, but um, you know, certainly brings the intrigue to mm-hmm. that position. Um, Corey Coleman on the outside. They get Josh Gordon back. We think. I mean, does
3: getting Josh Gordon back over under win total for them four and a half? Where you uh, does Gordon Gordon boost them above four and a half? Is
2: it possible to win a half game? Like four and a half seems just about right for them. I would still take the under. I think they go four and twelve, maybe three and thirteen. This is still like you said, the defense is so so bad. And for all we know, RG three could implode and Mm -hmm. might might not be the starter come week three. Who knows. Um, but, but I think Duke Johnson is something that they can at least fall back on, uh, as, as a reliable commodity, Isaiah Crowell still in that backfield you know, it's not going to be a hundred percent Duke Johnson by any means, but one of the better pass catching backs in all the league last season, uh, I think that sustains. And, and I think just having, mm-hmm. you know, s- some semblance of weapons on the outside and Coleman and Gordon is going to help a ton. And
3: I did see in the Cleveland plane dealer that Duke Johnson might get some reps split out. A little sure. bit, so he could get uh, some wide receiver reps. I mean, at, after Coleman and Gordon, we've got to Andrew Hawkins and Taylor Gabriel, which are slot receivers. Hawkins kind of getting to the tail end of his career, so give Duke Johnson a couple reps in the in the slot. If it's possible that Johnson and Crowell can be on the field at the same play, that that's potential there. I mean, there's a little bit inherent risk taking anyone from the Browns, but right. the, you know, what do the Browns think, have to lose at this point? You yeah, might as well, yeah, give it a shot.
2: All right, looking at the receiver position, Travis Benjamin is a guy I think is going way, way low. Um, I mean, put up very solid numbers with the Cleveland Browns last season. Now he enters a much, much better situation in San Diego, a team that slings the ball all over the field. I like him as a big-time deep threat for Phillip Rivers. He's currently going 41st among wide receivers. I think he should sneak up into probably the, the low 30s if I'm drafting. Devontae Adams is another guy um he's going 75th among receivers and i'm, I'm not going to sit here and cape for Devonte adams after what mm-hmm. happened last season but somebody has to catch passes behind nelson and cobb nelson still really not mm-hmm. where i think green bay hoped he would be at this yep. point he's on the pup list sounds like he's going to be fine mm-hmm. you know certainly you can't count on that um but Devonte adams i think mm-hmm he's going to benefit a ton from the return of Nelson, first of all, not being you know that featured receiver that they, I think they kind of tried to force on him last season. Clearly, he wasn't ready. Um, you know, I think with all the attention that's going to be on Nelson, all the attention that's going to be on Cobb, this kind of frees up Devontae Adams to work in that, that quiet and yet efficient role that we saw him in two seasons ago.
3: Yeah, I mean, the Packers are still going to run a lot of three wide receiver right. sets here. And like you said, Jordy Nelson, it's his other knee this time around. It looks like he has a little bit of tendonitis, possibly from overcompensating for his injury which is I mean that's a completely logical story if you could see it. He's still optimistic he'll be back for week 1. I'm not trying to take DeVonta Adams in a spot where I need to count on him by any means, no. but I think uh he is maybe a little bit low at 75 among wide receivers here. He just gets the Aaron
2: Rodgers boost. You know, mm-hmm. I think if DeVonta Adams is the third receiver for the Buffalo Bills or the San Francisco 49ers, we're not talking about this whatsoever. You know, he's mm-hmm. probably off the board in most drafts, but just being in that Green Bay offense I think gives him and for lack of a better term, the benefit of the doubt, you know, if, if that's, if that's your tiebreaker, if you're going to throw him in your lineup for a week as your, you know, your third receiver, um, I think you have that, you know, that, that Aaron Rodgers efficiency, I guess, to fall back on that can make you feel a little bit better about it than you otherwise would. Let's finish out with a couple of tight ends um Martellus Bennett ADP of 17 I think he's gonna have a huge year especially up, up. from a touchdowns perspective uh in New England Ladarius Green ADP of 11 I think we're going to see that kind of slowly rise as this data mm-hmm. continues to come in
3: yeah I mean the fact that uh Ladarius Green is number 11 overall and I can get him later is part of the reason where if I don't get Gronk I'm waiting till the very end because you know I mentioned higher I rank him Gronk Olson Kelsey and then Reed I'm probably not going to get Reed because he'll get drafted before I'm willing to take him Olsen I consider in some places but if I miss out on Gronk and Olsen I'm not taking a, a chance on Tyler Eifert who I think is a little bit overrated given the injury risk I can see a case for Colby Fleener with the Saints the tight end the Saints always find ways to get balls to the tight end here but if uh if I can get a draft where the Darius Green is going I mean outside of the top 100 I'm going to try to snag him down there and wait on tight ends load up on my receivers especially in those three wide receiver formats and I mean Martellus Bennett just because Gronk isn't or Gronk is there doesn't mean that the Patriots can't be protect or productive two tight ends on the Patriots can't be productive I think we'll see well, a lot of seen that in the
2: past with a, a certain someone yeah um, exactly so, I, that's we'll thing. see a lot of red zone targets right. for
3: both of them and I mean if opposing defenses are smart they're going to put three guys on Gronk in the red zone because right. that's obviously where Brady wants to go are you worried about Gronk
2: at all you know with with Martellus Bennett you know you talk about touchdown vulturing with with running backs I mean can that be applied to tight ends in this situation
3: not necessarily what I I mean if there's any concern about Gronk it's been that he has missed a handful of games due to various injuries over the course of his career uh so that's quite I mean there's a I little guess bit if of if anything it just risk, kind of but, prevents
2: that you yeah. know if anything it takes some of the strain off of him Yeah Gronk.
3: maybe it prevents overuse he doesn't have to be on the field for so many snaps but when the game's on the line here you bet Brady's going to want to go to Gronk Well, Brady for the last 12 weeks of the season there so those tight ends definitely uh they're both going to be productive I'd say
2: All right, that'll do it for us. Again, training camps continuing to get underway this week with veterans reporting. We'll certainly keep you posted on all training camp news on the Road to Wire Fantasy Football Podcast, which will be back with you on Friday. Ace is a
1: place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free. Only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.